0: The Pinball Network is online. Launching The Pinball Show.
1: Pinball is a game
2: of skill. For some, it's a passion and a lifestyle. It's time for The Pinball Show. It's pinball with personality. Welcome back, Muggles, to another episode of The Pinball Show, episode 12 to be exact, and I am one of your hosts, Zach Mitty, alongside my co-host and host with the most in my heart, Dennis Creasel. How's it going? It's going great. great.
3: I don't know why you opened with the Muggles. There's never going to be a Harry Potter pinball machine.
2: Well, I don't know. You remind me of a Muggle. Mm. Isn't that like a a hybrid designer dog, the Muggles? Yeah, I'm sure. It's like a (laughs) Labradoodle, but with flair. Hey, don't hate on my doodles now. Do you have labradoodles? Well, I got the the golden doodles. They're little mini golden doodles. Mini golden doodles. Okay. Well, that
3: sounds like something that one scribbles
2: while they're on the phone with you. Oh, expensive mutts. Oh. But they're so precious. Pooping everywhere. (laughs) Yes, they are.
3: Have they pooped in your new pool yet? (sighs) No. (laughs)
2: It's what we call a floater in the industry. We got a floater.
3: Uh, It's not a baby Ruth. Yeah, I saw some photos of your pool on the Facebook.
2: Oh, my wonderfully tacky pool.
3: (laughs) All above ground and oval shaped. (laughs) Is that like a a 21 footer? It's
2: a 21 footer.
3: (laughs) (laughs) You know your pools. You know your above ground pools, my friend. I I merely uh, played the angle of the light Uh, versus the uh, people that were in the pool
2: and uh, did some rough calculations (laughs) and knew what the standard sizes were. I use your daughter as a sundial and yeah, exactly. yeah. Uh, Oh man. What have you been up to dude?
3: Not nothing. Uh, we're getting close-ish to starting to release our uh, lockdown status in the state. I've got another week at least though in my County, but mm. that, so I've been busy with a lot of the preparations where that was all getting ready to be announced last week. So work wise, there was a lot of, oh, well, what are we going to, what are, what are we going to do locally? What are the plans? And it's like, I don't know what the state plan is. I yeah. kept... that was really uh, you know not, waiting for I'm not the memo. whine about work a bunch, but it's just it was weird because at the start of the week it, I was being told, well, the state wants to run the plan by you for feedback, like by my mm. group, and then by the end of the week they're just kind of like, screw it, here's the plan. Like, <laughs> and in between I'm I'm on all these calls and I'm like, are you guys like is this just politics and you're pretending you want my opinion because I'd rather you just tell me you don't care and then we can mm. I can quit like trying to set up a committee to review this. And no one said anything, so I chalked it up to don't care, and uh, that saved me a lot of time.
2: Hashtag don't care. So have you got out at all, or are you staying? Oh, just, like, I go grocery
3: shopping once a week. Do you get the deli meat? No. do you get the package? No, no. I've done more of the, like, the freezer bowls sort of thing because I can store them, and I don't have to worry about eating them right away if I don't. But I, I dropped the ramen though, so it's basically just the
2: frozen. Oh, so. Drop the ramen.
3: Yeah, yeah. I'm, I got tired of it.
2: A little too much sodium. Yes. Whoa. Were you were you plumping up? Yeah,
3: I think like, I've I, lost I'm, about five pounds since this all started. This actually. Ramen's
2: making me thirsty. Yeah, I went to Chicago yesterday on some pinball drop-offs, oh. and pickups, and I gotta tell you, Chicago doesn't seem to give a shit about the pandemic. <laughs> (laughs) There was people everywhere. Well, and that's
3: been part of our issue as well. One of the one of the counties neighboring county that was very aggressive about pushing for getting a statewide plan has been one of the most aggressive about wanting us to phase all this out. Mm -hmm. And it's the same person, the same health officer. And I asked someone, why is he? It seems like he did a 180. So I'm a little I'm a little confused. And they're like, oh. No one's listening anymore. And he's like, if mm-hmm. they're not going to listen to us. Let's loosen things up now to keep whatever credibility we can still have in case we have to tighten it again later, that they still at least sort of respect us. Well, but yeah. Because at this – yeah, it's sort of a – this is an interesting test. And I, this is my this is my intellectual question that I have. Just oh, a theoret- test and intellectual questions. Well, theori- you know, just a theory one. Just, okay. If this were like a more of an – it had the same spread rate but it was more like an Ebola. Let's mm-hmm. say it killed 25%. Would we actually respect the orders anymore? Because I'm thinking we would
2: not. Mm, 25%. Yes, I think we would,
3: but let's say it's still skews. So that's mostly like, that's, uh, that's the average kill rate, but most of our tests, all the testing's the same. So it's still mostly older people, immunocompromised mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if
2: America can control itself that long. That is a really good point on the streets of Chicago is downtown. Downtown Chicago, a little scary for me uh, just because I'm not used to a big city. So I always hate going to these metropolitan areas downtown because it feels claustrophobic to me. Uh, And everybody seems like they've got an edge on me because they're street smart and I'm like cornfield smart. So everybody's wearing their masks, though. I even went to a gas station, Dennis, um, that I was going to go in because I had to take a tinkle. And the sign, like really big, they had to print this on like more than your eight and a half by 11. But it said, no mask, no service. Mm. But, wow. Well, looky there. Wow. Meanwhile,
3: well Oklahoma had to lift their mask mandate because the people were going out to the stores and yelling at the employees and threatening them with violence. <laughs>
2: I like it that. was
3: their fault that the, there was a government mandate. <sighs>
2: what is wrong oh, with people? Yes, I was in Chicago. I even drove Friend. past. There was this pool and spa place and real big on the LCD screen. So I knew it was up to date. It said, we are open. And it said, mask friendly. Like, what? <laughs> what even... Number one, why is a pool place open? Are they essential? And number two, mask friendly. Like what? Wh- uh, as opposed to what?
3: Yeah, unfriendly. like, No, we, we, we hate we, masks. We it, these we, parts. Yell, we yell at your mask, and we 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 degrade it emotionally. <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> no, the, the whole essential honesty, That's an interesting thing too, of course, because and that people are rightly upset about. Like, well, why does Home Depot get to be open, but Bob's Hardware not? I mean, these are they're fair. Those are fair things to ask about. But anyway, so I just think people are kind of like, we need to, and there are a number of places that are on the downward side of the curve. So. I'm not. Smart.
2: I did, I did want to tell you this. So I've got my Skype opened up right now, video wise, mm. and I've got it askew, uh, you where do? you, yeah, they got it askew because behind me is a uh, something I did. Dennis. A chair, and it looks torn. Uh, no, it's just the light reflecting. Oh, it's okay. actually very comfy. It's a that's a very comfy chair. But no, I'm I'm going to, I'm going to reveal for you and for the audience, uh, a purchase that I made yesterday, a trade-in actually. And this machine epitomizes me. Is that even a word? Can you mm. use epitome as a verb?
3: Uh, yeah, a, let's epitomizes? Can. Sure, why not? All right, uh, so yeah. it's probably above-ground pool themed. <laughs> Wipeout? Yeah. Spring break. No, <laughs> Spring
2: it's, a, it, it's a pinball machine that I'm an idiot, and it makes me look like just your run-of-the-mill Dumbass, gotta have it, collector. All right, so I fell into the trap, So so do. And I'm loving every second. guess? is that what? No, I just, I just want you to see it, and 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 I know you're gonna make fun of me. I, I don't know what's wrong with me. I have an illness. Something, something is definitely going wrong because behind me, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, jeez. I know. I'm sorry. Oh, jeez. Zach, I knew you'd give me a hard time. (sighs) Well, what am I gonna do, Dennis? I mean, I had to have it. (laughs) I
3: I hear it's a decent player, so I I, it is really great. I I can't say that it's a bad game. I've never played it, but I I've heard a lot of people say that it's fun. I I don't. I I feel
2: like an idiot because no one should spend that much on a pinball machine.
3: But that that's the thing. It's I just I I think it's (sighs) fair to say it it's not worth its fun in the dollars it goes for. And I don't even think that theme is that good. So,
2: <gasps> Oh, and now that, that's where I draw the line. I right saw
3: there. that movie like twice.
2: That theme is maybe one of the greatest and most perfectly <sighs> fitted pinball themes in existence. In history, I tell you. All mm-hmm. the way back to uh, Roger Sharp days. It's probably
3: obvious to folks, but obvious, uh, obvious to me at this stage now that we're talking about The Big Lebowski. Yeah, Which you have mentioned a couple of times to me before. I, I didn't think you were being serious though, because I didn't either. I mean, what are you going to get next? A magic girl? Well, I mean, all
2: right. At least oh, the Big God. Lebowski's
3: playable. So,
2: I feel like I'm turning into Canada, and I don't Why? like it. Does he? Did he ever? Because own that? no, but he he worships it. Um, he's he's the only dumbass like me that would spend so much on a, a Tales of Arabian Nights. What's wrong with me, Dennis? Save me! No, Don't let I, me I become save a troll. You from, I can't
3: save you from yourself. That's not my role.
2: Mm, yeah, so I got a Big Lebowski uh, as a trade-in. What a hell of a trade-in, isn't it? Yeah. So uh, here's the trade-in. Let's see what you would take. Essentially, well, details here and over there. But uh, the Big Lebowski, like new, it's got an extra uh, motherboard, extra hard drive, I believe, as a backup just in case. Comes with a rug or... He traded in towards a Jurassic Park Premium brand new and a brand new Monster Bash Remake Special Edition. Hmm. Well, it's so essentially over about 15, maybe? Yeah, maybe over I mean, 15K.
3: Again, it, it's hard for me, Zach, because I've never played Big Lebowski, so I don't know if it's nice st- okay. sort of. And I, I've actually, I think I've only seen maybe. Thirty seconds of gameplay, so mm-hmm. I can't even I can't even describe to you what the layout looks like. I'm that ignorant of the game. Okay. So given that, and given I like Jurassic Park so much, I normally pull a Greg Bone and say quantity over yeah. quality. Even if, mm-hmm. and to be fair, I think it would be very hard for Big Lebowski to live up to the gameplay of Jurassic Park, uh, just Agreed. because of the depth Agreed. and what Keith did with the layout. Uh, you like the said, theme better, probably, I on Jurassic like Monster
2: Park. Monster
3: Bash. Oh, I do not like Monster you Bash. You
2: heard it here. Uh, I don't understand fan. why Monster
3: Bash is considered an A tier game from WMS. I don't.
2: Damn. See, I'm turning into Canadian. You're turning into me. I've been saying that for a while. I, it's, it doesn't do anything for me.
3: No, I. I just. It's I beautiful. like. Beautiful. Like I like the it shoots humor. Shoots well. I like the yeah. humor. I like the sound. I like the theme. Uh, I don't like Man. how it plays. I don't like the rules. You don't like how it plays. That's nope. strange. No, nope. I think think it's a clunky fan layout. Wow. Ooh. I look at Medieval Madness and I look at Attack from Mars and then I look at this wannabe, and <laughs> it just disappoints. It's, uh, it's, wanna, it just wanna doesn't wanna appeal MP? to me. It just doesn't. It never has.
2: Uh, so it's hard to say for you. I will say my first impressions of Lebowski. You heard it here uh, because I've I've played the rickety ones at the shows and stuff uh very very few times but my first impressions the thing is built like a f-ing tank um it reminds me it's bally williams through and through i mean all the parts are bally williams mm-hmm. all the all the parts are bally williams so i like that um the interior feels like a jjp and the exterior cabinetry feels more akin to like a spooky if that makes sense, so
3: okay. Well, I guess that just means that they were they went with sort of their own thing, with a blend yeah, of it, stuff with, but WMS shoots, under the
2: hood. It shoots really really well, and there is a lot of code in there, so there's plenty of depth. Um, I don't think it's this crazy Lord of the Rings depth, but it, it's really really good depth. Um, it, it's it's not worth fifteen thousand dollars. But then why do you have it? Because I could, and mm. I wanted to play it, and I'm well, we running out of have, options know, on pens uh, I haven't owned. We
3: have a, at least one collector here in the Kansas City area I know who's really into rare stuff. Uh, just, that's his thing. Mm-hmm. Into rare. Um, I probably know him. Yeah, you might. And he, uh, I mean, he, he doesn't hold on, like, if he gets tired of a game, he sells it. But mm-hmm. uh, it's not about the quality of the game. It's about getting anything that's obscure. And
2: there's a couple Kansas City guys I know of that have really, really nice collections, but they're not afraid to move them whenever they're done. Mm -hmm. Well, you know what the issue is pretty much no matter
3: what, no matter how much money you have, uh, space is always a factor. And people don't like to, even if they could, they don't like to constantly upgrade their house.
0: Yeah, that's true. You
3: either become the guy who sticks it all in storage and can't play it or you move them along.
2: So, listeners, stay tuned to Straight Down the Middle of Pinball Show for an upcoming review of The Big Lebowski. In the meantime, uh, later on in this episode and deals of the week, you're going to hear two of my pinball machines that I have to sell personally in order to uh, fund this Big Lebowski. No, this was a trade. You're fine. So you ready to uh, kick it over to our TP correspondents? correspondence?
3: Yeah. (laughs) you <laughs> sound so thrilled yeah okay is, is, you know why you're sad because craig Craigy's not oh i was gonna ask is craig week. gonna be even more craiggy nope. this guy nope
2: he's not uh he's, like,
3: he he's out. like he's like exponentially craigifying himself
0: it's time for tpn industry news hi this is ken rudberg with your jersey jack update Nick Lane and Kevin Manny, the Buffalo Pinball Guys, had the opportunity to interview Keith Johnson, the director of software for Jersey Jack Pinball this last week. Keith is responsible for coding some of the deepest and most loved pinball machines of all time, including The Simpsons Pinball Party, Lord of the Rings, and Jersey Jack's own Pirates of the Caribbean. Not only did they talk about the history of Keith's career and the development of games that he's worked on, they talked about a technological change that is coming up soon with Jersey Jack where you're going to be able to update your machines live with wi-fi as we've discussed in previous podcasts the difference is that this isn't just for the smaller delta upgrades but the full iso file disk image update which is going to be a big help for people so they don't have to download it to a usb stick and upload it onto their machine keith was also asked about jersey jack pinballs pirates of the caribbean and why did they stop running it and why are there no more the reason is, according to Keith, that at the time that they decided to stop running it, there was no demand for Pirates of the Caribbean. You get to a point where you have to decide to buy parts or to just call it quits, and at that point, there really wasn't any demand, so it only made financial sense to stop making machines. Again, this interview happened through Buffalo Pinball's Bro Do you Even Talk Pinball podcast, and I'd say it's highly recommended. You should definitely check out that podcast if you get a chance. This has been Ken Rudberg for The Pinball Show.
1: Hey, this is Kaz with an American Pinball update. American Pinball announced the hiring of Dave Brennan as Technical Service Manager. Dave has years of repair and restoration experience He's going to assist customers and distributors with tech support and repairs. Dave has recently had Twitch streams with TurboGraphic 7 here on the Pinball Network. I reached out to Dave and he told me that he will be starting today He is excited to use his passion for pinball to help American Pinball and the customers. He will still be doing his own projects and streaming with TurboGrafx7. And one of the first things he'll be doing is working on instructional videos that include game setup, code updates, and maintenance. And also today, May 4th, is the last day to enter the Oktoberfest High Score Challenge. Check out the Facebook page for more details. For The Pinball Show, this is Brian Cosner.
4: Welcome to this week's Spooky Haggis Industry Talk update with Dr John on the Pinball Show. Nothing much to report from Haggis as they're still awaiting parts arrivals from overseas. On the spooky front, there's been some talk, especially about rail positions and security on the playfields and how these can be modified to improve the flow of the shots in early games. For those who don't know, in the old days, back in the 80s and 90s, games were placed in test locations around Chicago and had the heck played out of them for a number of months prior to release to see what modifications had to be made to improve the game unfortunately we can't do this nowadays because of leakage in the interwebs so games are tested at the factory and often these are prototypes to find any issues when manufacturing eventually does take place Sometimes small variations have to be made in the manufacturing process to improve the gameplay for the final product. This happens with all manufacturers and can be seen in technical release bulletins from manufacturers and on that doyen of knowledge at Pinside. There's been some concerns that Spooky may not be listening to some suggestions being made, but I can reassure everyone, as confirmed by Scott Denisi. Modifications in construction are being taken under consideration and being altered when production restarts, especially on the loop shot under the spinner rail. So rest assured, later arrival of games should have this altered to make your game flow as much as possible. Well, that's it for this week. I hope to have more news next week. See ya.
2: It's always great to hear from the correspondents, Zach. Oh well, look at that! It is always oh, great. helping you out. I like that. I like that. Not
3: a, not a whole lot of news. So let's but talk um, about something that they didn't touch on at all.
2: The sharps. Let's the sharps. We got we got Roger Sharp on a two part series, two part mini series, yep, after school I, special. I've gotten through both of those. Okay, from the Loser Kid Pinball Podcast. Yes, they, were, they so they had to go for the trifecta, which also included Josh Sharp. Who is the Raw, Raw Thrills uh, CFO, mm-hmm. and many of you know as a competitive pinball player, and president, the president of the International Flipper Pinball Association. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's right. And then Zach Sharp was on another episode that they aired, where they interviewed Zach Sharp, which is Stern Pinballs' Director of Marketing and competitive pinball player and champion. Whoo! I, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna before we get into the little nuggets that they provided, I'm gonna say that our cohort in pinball media this week. Hit a home run. Yep. Wasn't a sacrifice fly. It was a home run. They didn't uh, bunt? Lose your, nope. Didn't bunt. Didn't hit a grounder to shortstop. Nope. They hit a home run. Or, uh, French didn't like home run. Grand slam. A, uh, grand salami? It's a
3: grand salami. It's just another home run
2: with fancier stuff. But, the former slam host dunk?
3: Ken Cromwell what about a appreciate dunk? our attempt to talk about baseball.
2: Slam dunk. Maybe we should stay that for a slam, now on. It was a slam dunk.
3: Yeah. It was a slam dunk. Yeah. It was a goal. It was a hat trick. Hey, there are three of them. The three shots. It's oh. a hat trick. There we go.
2: Oh, I like that. But they did well. They did really well. And then Buffalo Pinball, we're going to talk about that in a minute, turned around and interviewed Keith Johnson. Like one of my favorite interview pieces that's been done in pinball. So I have it downloaded. Our-
3: I've got these other sharp ones downloaded. I, but I haven't been able to hear them yet because I am woefully behind just because thanks COVID that, yeah, because of, co- of COVID it's like, no, I, I've tried to start playing them while I'm working and I can't, I'm not listening. Uh, so, I have mm-hmm. to turn them off because I'm like, I'm sorry, I answered three emails and I didn't pay attention in the last 45 minutes of what was I coming do, I in.
2: do that as well, and then I rewind it. Yep, yeah. yeah, and
3: then I feel like I'm just wasting my time trying, so.
2: Yeah, hashtag thanks, COVID-bama.
3: But so, I have these highly detailed
2: notes, so I can work for them. Ah, eh, not too bad, eh, not too bad. So they interviewed Josh Sharp again, the Rothrill CFO, uh, and he had a couple of interesting little nuggets that I noted here. He talked about obtaining the TMNT or the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles license for the arcade game. Uh, for those of you who aren't familiar, Raw Thrill is uh, manufacturers of these large and dynamic Arcade systems that you oftentimes see in family entertainment centers and other locations around uh, around the country. It's the Walking Dead, the Jurassic yeah, Park ride-along. I think
3: they're the only major U.S. manufacturer of arcade video games at this point.
2: Okay. I think. Yeah. They run a big operation over yeah, there. Yeah,
3: yeah. They're, uh, they're a sizable manufacturer, too. Mm-hmm. So, so a lot of what we talk about in pinball can translate very well because They have lines. Mm-hmm. They need a lot of parts to get this stuff put together, and these things sell at high price points.
2: And they're uh, they're partially run by a sharp. That's a that's becoming a trend, right? But uh, no, they obtained the the TMNT license for their arcade game in 2017. He talked about that and talked about how great of a seller and a just a dynamite hit that thing has been for them. He also indicated that back then, when they attained the license. He contacted Jody Dankberg, who we know is the director of licensing for Stern Pinball, and he told Mr. Dankberg, "You've got to get this license because of the huge sales return that they are uh, that they are experiencing over there." I found it interesting. Uh, that doesn't interest me so much because that's expected that he would do that. But I found it interesting that he made that public.
3: Hmm.
2: Maybe I'm reading into it too much. Well, but, uh,
3: I I mean. Is anyone going to be surprised when TMNT is announced by Stern later this year?
2: What would Ken Cromwell say? I'd be more surprised my head was sewn to the carpet right now. But Josh Sharp went on to talk about once this game was released, the arcade version of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in 2018, it was their quickest to 1,000 units sold. Mm. Wow. So, do, do
3: you know how much it was they sold the arcade for? i don't know i know the, that those the those price machines, on raw thrills stuff really range i mean they got stuff that's that's five figures so
2: very true very true and if you guys are interested in a raw thrills <laughs> do you contact, distribute for them now too uh, yeah, this
0: is yeah, i get
3: maybe. my customers what they want that's <laughs> that's not what you usually that crap you shovel whenever we talk are. spooky or something
2: Hey, I find a way to get my customers their Rick and Mortys. So. Maybe, uh, maybe favorite our website. You might see stuff pop up there. The arcade game is really cool. they sell for, off the top of my head, I think they're higher sales because that's a bigger unit. I know, like the Walking Dead unit, it's all enclosed and everything. That's like 15k, I think, retail. So it's hefty. But last time I was talking to Josh Sharp, I'm like, honestly. Prices five years ago for these arcades seem crazy for um, for these operators, but they make a lot of money. Number one and number two, pinball's like catching up price-wise to these big well, units.
3: the the main thing I think on the arcade uh, video game side is that that market still is primarily operators who are making money off of those mm. games. I don't think people are buying. There's a no lot home of, sales. I don't now. think there are a lot of home sales for new Roth nope. Rails products, especially when, from what I understand, the depreciation on the video game arcade side is significant. So you can mm-hmm. actually save a lot of money going used uh, for yeah. mo- other than, you know, those sort of unattainium titles. But all that said, you're, you're telling me you could have gotten that full enclosed walking dead instead of big Lebowski.
2: Yeah. Hmm. hmm. Yeah. I say hmm. Hmm. interesting. Hmm. Okay. Home to that, I say, hmm. I just found some of this stuff interesting. He also talked about because we don't get Josh Sharp talking too much about Raw Thrills because it is an arcade company. We don't hear that too much because we all listen to pinball podcasts. And his brother was equally impressive. Zach Sharp from Stern Pinball talked about production lines. Did you know that Stern Pinball actually has three production lines? Yes, I did know that. Okay, I figured you would he talked about two of the lines being the main lines, right? And you just run titles all day. But one is now a conversion line. Do you know what that means? No, I do not know. So the conversion line is something that they've really been hammering home this last year, or a new focus for them. They said talking about uh, the conversion between overseas games and domestic games, there's a power uh, difference, right? Yes, yes. And before like if they were getting ready to ship some over and they needed some domestically, forget it, trying to transfer all that power over. But now they found a way to make this much more efficient, clean and easy. So one of these lines is dedicated for just very quickly, hey, this is set up for Australia. Now we need it for the US. Boom boom boom, we're done, box it back up and go. No longer do they have to rewire and all of this kind of stuff. So that's that's been a big um, operating system and, and hardware focus, I know that they've been working on the last half a year, if not longer.
3: Mm. I bet you they're so, the only manufacturer that has the, the volume overseas to warrant needing a no whole yes. conversion line.
2: That's <laughs> yes, right. So they can very quickly, he talked about, jumping back and forth. If we need if we need to pull some domestics for overseas, boom, we can do them instantaneously. And he's, he just talked about the overall efficiency and the benefits of that. They are still aiming for three cornerstone titles this year. Nope,
3: not going to happen. I'm, just I'm coming just, from I, the director I, I, of marketing. Can, you can he, he can aim. He can aim mm-hmm. for what he wants. I'm Zach. Here I am outside of the industry with no knowledge whatsoever telling you it ain't going to happen.
2: Nah. Cuz that's what that's what podcasters do. <laughs> we just make we just make claims. No, nah, we well, yeah, we just make claims as fact. Well no,
3: this is just my opinion, but Yeah, this is I I think that just the number of lost months, I just don't see it.
2: God, why do you got to be such a din din downer? Well, I don't see it as a negative. A denny downer and that the what three, I called you a three couple of cornerstone thing is
3: like an internal target that they have they've missed it before I I, I don't see it being a big deal to miss
2: it I just don't, well, yeah but it's arbitrary you, you know how they do with that January release They can be a little sneaky and be like well, the uh, stranger things There's a cornerstone
3: yeah, so that's January. what they got it out. They got technically they got
2: the See? the three out, but the year
3: before Munsters was technically I know. at the start still, of the year. Not yeah, in December. I still
2: say Stranger Things was a Q four. We seen them before the year's end, so it was it was a Q four to me. Or, you know, into the year. They got kind of four thing.
3: cornerstones out in 2019 because it was Munsters, Black Knight, mm-hmm. Jurassic Park, and Stranger Things.
2: Yeah, that's true. And Elvira is that's a not Cornerstone though. I know, but as a studio, that's impressive.
3: Yeah. Do, do we really care if it's cornerstones? or be, Like, is a substantial game. Do we really care if they didn't get Stranger Things out and they and they also didn't put out Munsters, like Munsters counted the year before, and then it had been two that's cornerstones? What he was, it's like, yeah, that's what he was saying. He's that, like, look, all. these are just... He
2: said they're just guidelines for us. That's a, yeah. just our goals, but we're not... We're not pressed to have to have to do that or anything. But if TMNT is a huge
3: gangbuster seller, they're not going to want to move on early. That's that's all I'm, I'm thinking. And with that zombie yeti art, it's probably going to be a gangbuster seller because you know art sells games, Zach.
2: When do, like what's your know. guess? When do we see the next title from Stern? Because I heard people talking about it on Facebook, and one person said like. With so much confidence, we will not see a a stern. We will not see any manufacturer release another pinball machine in 2020. I'm like, there's no way. No, no, we. (laughs) You're gonna see them. We will. The the only thing
3: is, they need to do their formal reveal of Heavy Metal still, and that got pushed back out of March, like they wanted. So they're gonna do that first, but I don't think it's gonna be a huge time lag. I Mm -hmm. still think we will see the next cornerstone by August. Okay, I tend to agree. Because I think they'll be able to get their line up at least in some capacity, even if it's a reduced production speed by then.
2: Yeah, he talked about that uh, ramping up. He said, you know, it depends on what, how you want to define it. But he can see it not being, you know, you walk in the first day and the line is up 100% cranking out 50 plus machines. Right. But
3: but p- part of my issue with uh, the ability to successfully aim for the three cornerstones is there is a lot of, of public health concern that... We will see a COVID resurgence in the fall, and we may have to become more strict on social distancing again at that point, even if we loosened up over the
2: summer. You don't think as Americans will be over it? Nah, hell, we're over it. Oh, no, no okay. I,
3: I can't. I don't think we would, as a country, I don't think we have the strength to tolerate another lockdown. Oh, wow. But No, I don't. I. I'm not, not to sound too too negative, but Americans and people telling them what to do, uh, this, yeah. is, this is this has strained that to a degree that I think it would be very very difficult. Yeah. But I could see like in these multi-phase reopenings, even though people are seeing things like here in Kansas, we, in theory we could reach our final phase as of June fifteenth. It's not going to happen because there's no way we're mm-hmm. going to meet those metrics. So we might go from like a phase three back to a phase two where businesses mm-hmm. are still there, but maybe we're saying, okay, but you need to keep six feet apart and you need to keep at 50% occupancy and things like that so that production is going to slow up. And with those things, people have less money to spend. So that, it's all, yeah. you know, it all just sort of- uh, Gotta
2: love America. It all's
3: interrelated is all. So that's just why I'm skeptical.
2: Damn it, I'll put ketchup on my hot dog if I want to. Don't tread on me. <laughs> America. The Loser Kid Pinball Podcast asked Zach Sharp, how long does it take to build a pinball machine? That's a tough question to answer, of course, but he talked about for one pinball machine, if we're just talking one pinball machine, from the start to the finish, it takes approximately 30 man hours. I thought that was rather uh, quick. Hmm. We were discussing, Dennis, when the next title would drop, but he also said, keep in mind that they still have a lot of machines to build. And these yes. back orders continue to build up. that's
3: another, that's another up. factor that I, I'm keeping in mind. Like, all this demand for... Not Man, everyone I'm got their dying. stranger things who wanted it. What?
2: Call me now. <laughs>
3: no, no. They, they
2: got, I've got them. They got to go through Trent. I've got them ready for you. No, there are titles, Then we'll hear about it in Pinball Market Trends, that I, I almost went before a new title. Like, I'm dying here. I'm dying here. I'm losing sales every single day. To the likes, of, man, you have to. You got
3: right J- uh, Jurassic Park premiums. I know that there's a huge demand still for those.
2: The, those are like getting a Lebowski right now. Except they're as hot little. as a Rick and Morty. Hotness, hotness, hotness. People, I've had people call Dennis. They're like, "Look, I don't want a Jurassic Park Pro. I want the premium, but the premiumers are gone. So I'll just settle with the Pro." Like these people are settling with a six thousand dollars pinball machine.
3: It's a hard life when you got to settle.
2: Wow-wee. Wow-wee. That's
3: what uh, that's what stay-at-home orders do. They turn people into settlers.
2: I think Josh or Scott over at Loser Kid, they asked the question that you have to ask as an interviewer in pinball media. They said, how soon are we going to see the next title once the factory opens up? I've right. never asked they, that question, just yeah, by
3: the way. I, I,
2: you correct? almost have to ask it. No, I don't. Yeah, I don't. ask it. Man, I'm
3: just trying. telling you, I don't have to ask.
2: Granted, I also very rarely do interviews. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. You didn't ask why didn't you ask Robert Mueller that? Hey, hey Rob, Bobby <laughs> Pinball, when are you gonna when are we gonna see a f-ing game? Wow, this is
3: a long time ago that we did that. That might have been my last interview. I think it was.
2: I, I think it was you. Sure's Helen asked me
3: on to come on. I mean, we had Joe Schober on, but that was as a guest host, it wasn't an interview. So hmm. Matt, Did my numbers do okay? When you were oh, when you were guest? Yeah, yeah you know. but not like what they did for
2: Loser Kid. Uh, I still think I hold the title. I think you do. I think I hold the crown. Move over Keith Elwin, The Sharps. So yeah, he did say he wasn't going to answer that question, but he did say yeah. we are ready to build a lot of new stuff. I think that's about the most you're going to get from a Zach Sharp.
3: Probably he has a trained professional.
2: He's damn good. He his his whole thing is he cannot confirm nor deny. Oh, to talk about confirmation. The beautiful and wonderful, sexy, talented hosts over at the Loser Kid Pinball Podcast. They brought up the mini competition series pinball. You know, that's what I've I've coined it. You know, it's, it's a work in progress, that title. But the well, that idea kind of
3: sucks, so we'll keep working. The idea
2: on is is one that uh, your boy Zach and Roger Sharp share together. We're we're together. Mr. Sharp and I, but they asked. I, I Zach. like
3: how you, I like how you your difference. It's like it's Zach Meany and the
2: Sharps together with a stretch. Well, yeah, that's you know the Zach and the other Zach. That's how I think about it. Is that not fair?
3: Uh, it's probably think, inaccurate, but you
2: think the ideology of uh, a Roger Sharp is more aligned to this Zach myself than his son Zach?
3: <laughs> no. <laughs> I just appreciate you thinking about it. Thank you. Well, it, that's just because something on its surface may seem stupid doesn't mean there isn't something worth thinking about underneath.
2: Yeah. So they asked Zach Sharp about the pitch that I had made publicly, and that Roger Sharp had discussed more as a historical piece uh, on the last podcast. They asked him about it, and Zach Sharp said, and I liked his answer. He said, "Look, it whatever works to get." pinball televised or more exposure he said I don't care he was like look, well, I don't I don't care if you have to climb a mountain and play a ball climb another mountain play another ball like if these broadcasters are willing to have pinball then he don't care what it takes so I think that's kind of a win for me I think he's basically saying he totally agrees with you know what I'm what I'm looking to push further and uh, some of the ideas that I and his father share I think he's on board right in... no not really he he said <laughs> i think he'd be willing to hear some other ideas from you <laughs> he was being kind but he also said um counter arguments may be when you're televising something the drawl of we're going to kick it over to competition machine number one he said it just doesn't have the pull that Hey, everybody, we're back, and we're going to kick it over to Star Wars pinball machine where they're trying to battle the Death Star. Touche. Nicely done, Zach Sharp. That, yeah, he's right. I can't argue that. I'm a rational person, Dennis. Yes,
3: that's why you now have a big Lebowski instead of two other pinball machines.
2: It's just like your opinion, man. So I get that, Zach Sharp, but here's the thing. I, I'll kill this whole idea. I'll kill it if you'd like me to, Dennis. If if somebody can tell me, and I, I don't deal with this, maybe Jody Dankberg uh, can, because you know Jody listens. He's a regular, I bet. I doubt it.
3: Yeah, he's somebody, reached out constantly. So,
2: Somebody at Stern, JJP, one of these manufacturers that deals in licensing, if they can tell me that running the sound, the video assets, or even the artwork of an intellectual property is fine for different, uh, different broadcasts because it's like a secondary kind of background. If that's fine, then I will kill this and I will no longer talk about it to the detail that I am.
3: Well, I don't know that they can offer you that assurance because,
2: Well, they, but they'll have a better idea Is if, look, is well, it, can this happen or not? And then so that I can modify my pitch. That's all.
3: It, it can, they can show those sort of things as long as no one objects. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, but why in films do they always change the name of things? Even unlicensed games. To play, to play it safe. To play it safe. The example I can give you on like
3: Twitch and stuff is mm-hmm. the, with video games. Technically speaking, there is a serious question about whether or not you can actually stream a video game. Where you are showing the art assets, the video assets, yeah. all of that sort of stuff.
2: Think about the video cut sequences.
3: That's intellectual and
2: property. The
3: way it happens... Exactly. It is intellectual property. The way it happens is the those that release the game look the other way. And the reason they look the other way is... In theory, it's probably a win-win for their product to get that exposure. And it results Hmm. in more sales. It's good for any partners that they worked with because it gets more sales. And so they look away. That being said, it could end up being challenged. And given the way the intellectual property laws are, my Mm -hmm. personal acknowledging that I am not a practicing attorney in the United States is that the intellectual property holder would probably win if they were to go to court against a Twitch streamer, it. that they would probably be able to win and say that they could prohibit the the streaming. And in fact, while no one has gone ahead and accelerated it to court, there have been instances where we've seen it happen. A good mm-hmm. case in point was there was a streamer, video game streamer, and I don't remember if he had gone on some sort of racist tirade or what, but one of the game developers was like, we don't like what you're saying, So we're going to use our IP rights and we're going to have you blocked and you're not going to be allowed to stream our game. And we're going to, because we can't stop you from doing it on free speech grounds. So we're going to do it on, you're just not allowed to stream this because it's copyright. We hold the IP. And so there's no fair use laws or anything against you. Well, and that's the argument that some of the Twitch streamers are like, oh, well, we'll be able to argue fair use. And, but the counter argument is yeah, but how? You're not but offering, they're they're monetizing. They're making criticism. You're sitting there and you're playing our game. It's like airing an entire movie and you mystery science three, theater three thousand it. Yeah. That works if it's not under But but it's like if you're just there and talking over it. Are you really offering active commentary and criticism mm. the entire time? I, I'm not saying that's not an argument there. But I'm saying I think that the IP holder is going to win. That's my, that's my judgment that they will and win. If, you, if they push it, they will win under current law.
2: So that'd be interesting discussion going forward as pinball gets closer and closer to mainstream broadcasting. Cause I think it can get there. They did talk about that a little bit. And I know you guys love to hear me talk about it. My summary would be, I love talking about it. I love pushing forward to try to get that. I have some really strong ideas on how it's done and some strong ideas on how it will never get done. And I like to express them. Why not express them here in the podcast? Part of it just helps piss Dennis off, which makes me smile and giggle as well, but it's simple. Like people are not gonna tune in to watch long broadcasts of pinball, period. That's a fact. Let's accept that one, let's move forward. How do we get this on television? How do we get this on main Twitch streaming? We do so by making it entertaining. It's the reason that people tune in and watch Greg Bone and I, two idiot amateur pinball players, talk about pinball more so than any Twitch channel. And we get thousands of views, just him, Knucklehead McGee, and me arguing and talking about pinball. Pinball podcasts get quite a few listens compared to... The point is, you entertain people. You find characters. I'm not saying go all the way to a WWE, but damn it, if you don't have two or three characters in pinball, you're not going to get airtime. You need a color commentary that's going to give you some character, some strong emotional ties whenever listening to a broadcast, and you need them short games, and you need them overproduced. That's it. That's how you get into broadcasting, in my opinion.
3: Uh, I think you raise good points with it, uh, but... It's not an apples to apples comparison to talk about a YouTube produced show or a podcast versus uh,
2: Twitch. Sure, streaming. sure, sure, sure.
3: It's just and well, hold up. Why not? Because Twitch streaming is not like live broadcast. It's live, but it's not like traditional live broadcast. A whole huge thing about how Twitch functions, how it is, you know, how it has become is it is an interaction with the live chat. So it's very difficult to go back and watch a Twitch stream because you are no longer able to engage with the host and podcasts and YouTube shows can be consumed at any time you want. People do not, what volume do you think people go who watch NFL games actually go and watch a replay of the game versus watching it live? That's the sort of difference there. Good point. So, so just that's that one little part. I would nitpick a little bit and say, yes, podcasts and YouTube shows have higher viewership counts than Twitch, but that's because Twitch is like going to a live theater performance. No one wants to watch the replay. It's all about going and watching the person dance for you and respond I to your fe- chat.
2: I feel like that's it what is the a-
3: most successful channels are, are: those that engage the chat.
2: Yeah, just chatting is the like the number one trending category on Twitch.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, that's and what Twitch that- has become. It's all it's just. Well, and that's
2: my argument, though. It's for the entertainment rather than the gameplay. Right. Twitch is known as gameplay.
3: You know, uh, Twitch is mostly... The most popular Twitch streamers are popular because of their personalities. They're yes. usually variety streamers who play different games. So mm-hmm. they they may have made their name on doing something like Fortnite. But if Ninja, who's over on Mixer now, chooses to move to another game and like go back to Halo, it, his audience will go with him. It's not about the game. It's about him. Precisely. And that's where I do agree with you about the strength of those personalities and stuff. But regarding the the watchability of pinball, that is where things like—and I know you're not a huge fan of it—but like the head-to-head play, you can't play traditional pinball. Oh, you can't play traditional. Pin, you got to change the rules, like how they changed rugby's rules for TV. You got to change mm. the rules because pinball is one of the few games where the better you play, the longer it takes, and that is antithetical to how people want to watch stuff.
2: Yeah, I it's get it. It's part
3: of what makes baseball drag if the if the batters are going well it just takes forever in football you go and you score and then the other team gets to have the ball so the faster you go the sooner you're you're no longer in control anymore darts I, same way uh, pool uh, same way
2: i just i i don't disagree with that but selfishly i don't want it to go in that direction and i think you can get by with just cutting it shorter not bastardizing the game just cutting it shorter. And, Give a main headline. That's yes. it.
3: I if you want to tr- if you want to treat it like poker, I think you can pull it off.
2: Yes. But, Poker's
3: the same way. But obviously that means that's a big shift from what we're seeing on Twitch right now, which is the idea that you're going to watch the tournaments live.
2: No, I see and I never agreed on that nor will I ever. I don't think that's the right aim. But I just
3: don't. A lot of competitive players want to see it live.
2: And that's why a lot of competitive players have issue with all of my discussions about this.
3: I just don't know. You just need to become one of them to understand the competitor. You must be the competitor. (laughs) One of us. One of us. You don't have to be good. You're probably a better player than me. No. One of us. One of us. I don't know. We should have a
2: battle. No, I don't want you to slap my face. (laughs) Would you do commentary with me at, at, at an upcoming tournament, you and I, in the booth?
3: I don't know why they would ever allow you to do commentary. I have done commentary. Why? So, I don't have a problem with doing commentary. They want I, it I to be entertaining do it about maybe. Once a year, but.
2: If any of you uh, If any of you showrunners out there would like Dennis Creasel and I to do commentary of one of your tournaments, and you're going to pay for us to come <laughs> contact us at the pinball network. Oh, at I like how you, how you seem to think there's going to be a show this year. Let's move on to Buffalo pinball on the Brody Even Talk pinball show, their monthly podcast. They interviewed Jersey Jack pinball's director of software development, Keith Johnson. I love that because you can tell Nick and Kevin over at Buffalo pinball have built nice rapport over the years uh, with uh, Mr. Johnson. And he was very open, very candid, very charismatic with that little side assault that we become accustomed to with Keith Johnson. That's what I like about him, but uh, I, I always tune in to see what he has to say. And I really, really, I talked about it at the, at the top of the show, I really enjoyed the discussion and the pacing and where they took Keith Johnson and his responses. I learned so much about the history of pinball in just this one podcast, so I really, really encourage you guys. That Kevin had some video issues at the beginning, so those are off, but I'm telling you that's how good this product was because I, I, within five minutes, I no longer even realized it. I messaged those guys and emphatically said, nicely, nicely done. Uh, but let's get into it a little bit here. He, he worked in, in slots over at Bally. Was it Bally Midway or Bally Williams? I don't know what company it was. He was working with slots, wanted to work with pinball. Keith's been playing competitive pinball for a long, long, long time in the 90s. Yeah, in the 90s. So he was working in slots, wanted to work in pinball. He finally got his shot. He worked on Revenge for Mars, and he was very, he's still very proud of that. And I need to put some more time on that game side note. But he was very, very proud of that and talked about the transition from that, everybody being let go. That very next week, he was at Stern Pinball. Keith Johnson talked about before the Simpsons pinball party, Stern was chasing the theme Survivor.
3: Oh, I remember that show.
2: Yeah, uh, and Keith Johnson was wanting to work on it because he was a huge fan of the Survivor uh, video series. But he said that the individual who owned the rights to the show Survivor Overseas, they couldn't come to terms with them, so there was no deal because Stern needed to be able to sell these pinball machines globally. So it was close. We could have seen a Survivor pinball machine. Think about how that theme would have held up in two thousand
3: twenty. Don't they? Is that show still on? I don't. I think even it might know. be. Oh I really? Think it might be.
2: Yeah. You'll like this next tidbit. Keith Johnson actually pitched Grand Theft Auto mm, oh, Three.
3: Do you think that would have worked? That was a huge game. That would have been. operators would have loved that one. Mm-hmm. Grand. Pitched, I mean, I actually, I actually, I actually, I played it. I played the first two Grand Theft Autos, but Grand Theft Auto Three is where they changed the perspective. Yep. Uh, and it was, and that's what made that's what started Rockstar to become what it is today.
2: Now, what? Who is Take Two? Take talks 2... About the,
3: I believe take two interactive is the uh, it's like Activision. It's a publishing company that
2: gotcha. Okay.
3: I believe they own rockstar.
2: Yeah. So they pitched grand theft auto three, Keith Johnson at that time, real big gamer. He wanted to do that. He said, and he actually is the one that pitched grand theft auto three reached out to them, but he said, quote, take two wouldn't have anything to do with us. And then Buffalo asked about video game licensing. I think it was Nick. It was like, look, we all want to know, as a bunch of pinball people, are gamers as well, video gamers, are these companies, like Stern, Jersey are they just not going after video game licenses? Or is the licensing f- through these video game companies? And apparently, obtaining video game licenses, like the likes of a Super Mario, or a Zelda, or a, a hella Fortnite, whatever... For pinball machines, it comes down to the cost, and game developers are not really interested in dealing with what Keith Johnson phrased small fries. Keith said that companies he has worked for have made pitches, so it it doesn't come down to pinball manufacturers being uninterested at all. So we gotta kind we of get that out of our mind. Keith believes this may actually change though in the future as game developers are now realizing the popularity of gaming, that their licensing properties can bring some revenue uh, potentially through their companies. You're, you see all kinds of Minecraft swag uh, and merchandising, uh, Fortnite merchandising. So as these companies are becoming, they're competing with streaming television and TV shows. I mean, they are doing billions in revenue. Uh, he also said these large gaming companies now have licensing divisions for their products so it may be easier in the future you may start seeing that but nonetheless these companies make so much money and they don't have to get, they don't have to make money off of something like this
3: yeah it makes sense uh, at least for the successful uh, i mean a lot of video games go out there and their their teams that don't have a major publisher behind them really do struggle financially so i think it's important to note while the video game industry is considerably more massive than Hollywood is at this stage, that it's still fairly cutthroat when you get away from the AAA stuff. But mm-hmm. when you're talking about the AAAs, you think about it, and it makes sense with just about anything, but you think about how much money they make on lunchboxes or something, and then how much are they really going to make off of pinball? And that's where... Just because the pinball machine is expensive doesn't mean that the licensor was going to make a ton of money off of it. And do they want to invest the time dealing with a pinball company and all this mm-hmm. art and stuff that they want? Yeah. Uh, you know, video, That's, audio. Vi- I mean, it's, it's more than a coffee mug where it's just like, oh, we just want a picture of Rick and Maury stick on the coffee mug.
2: Yeah, somebody marks a red check on, uh, you know, a printed glossy picture and they're like yep yeah, looks good for a uh lunchbox but if they're yeah, like okay yeah. they want these assets they want these voiceovers they want this they want to use that and they're like whoa whoa wh- how much are they paying us well sh- shit go with the and lunchbox
3: we, they and now they're telling these pinball people are telling us that they want their own artists to do hand-drawn art and we're gonna have to yeah. look at all that and make sure it fits with our our brand and
2: voiceover likeness because they don't want to pay for the rights whoa 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 no tell them to go f- off <laughs> yeah. that's, prob- that's probably the meetings so that might not happen anytime soon but I love that Keith Johnson was talking about the pitches that they made in these I guess it was the Stern years he talked about they considered Futurama take my money now Dennis says mm. you like Futurama right yeah but I I I resonate with the concern at the
3: time there because I remember when Futurama first came out and I saw it and of course I was, I was like a lot of people and I was like this isn't Simpsons and I turned it off
2: Yep, that's what I did, and I didn't go back. And I don't think I am really missing anything.
3: I mean, I uh, I went and saw uh, more. I saw Futurama's later, and then I actually grew to like Futurama more than The Simpsons.
2: Now, prior to the Simpsons pinball party that they did, we know ultimately they licensed and they did a boatload of business on. They actually considered Futurama, but the they didn't ink the deal, which was surprising to hear Keith Johnson say they actually dodged a bullet. Because the show was canceled uh, around that time, and the climate was just not so hot on that show. You know, as we we know that it later warmed up to be kind of a cult classic animated uh, series. But he said they kind of dodged a bullet because they probably at that time, with it being canceled, they would have been finishing production of a Futurama pinball machine, the show being canceled, and it probably wouldn't have done well at all.
3: Yeah, I mean, it, same same scenario could have happened if they had gone with Family Guy during season one and two because that it got canceled. Okay, it okay. It didn't do well. I wasn't aware of that. Yeah, Family Guy came back later, and so did Futurama. And it's the yeah, same thing. It's, it can be really hard for these uh, more adult-oriented cartoons to really uh, take mm-hmm. hold. I think that's why you see a lot of them on things like uh, Adult Swim on Cartoon Network rather than on the major networks.
2: Yeah, and I don't think – I think the, the climate in our society, uh, if I'm talking just domestically here – I think it's it's tending to trend towards a, a more mature audience, like you were saying. So I'm not even sure a Futurama pin would hold up well now. I know I'm going to get uh, people hating that statement, but maybe a smaller boutique, a deep root might run something like a Futurama, maybe an American pinball. But for Stern pinball, I'm not so sure I would be signing up for a Futurama license. Am I crazy?
3: Well, I kind of think the ship has sailed. It does have some nostalgia to it at this, but given it's not an active license, I don't, I don't think, I wouldn't think Stern would go for
2: it. So he nearly quit Stern during the time of Lord of the Rings, Dennis, because of some internal conflict and fighting between management. He and Gary Stern just did not see eye to eye. Now, so the reason that they got into a uh, a TIFF, I, I don't think this was the first nor the last, but... Gary Stern wanted that damn Balrog to come out every single game. Keith Johnson did not. Uh, He Mm. also, Gary Stern wanted that tower to fall more often. Keith Johnson did not. He even went back later in the interview and talked about if he did change something, he'd take all the shit that Gary Stern made him do. Mm. (laughs) I knew about the Balrog. I didn't know about the tower. And this one, I kind of.
3: Side with Gary Stern. I, I would. I would as well. It, especially the Balrog. I do think it's like yeah. uh, it's like the Ironmonger.
2: You're paying for it.
3: It's yeah. It's like the Iron Monger, and having the Iron Monger come up in the attract mode. I think it. I think it does attract people. And I think having the Balrog yeah. come out. I mean, it's it feels epic when I first stepped up to the Lord of the Rings and played it, and the Balrog swung out real early on. Yeah. I was like, for cool.
2: casuals, yeah. And, yeah. and 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 my argument would be, you know it. From, from a player in a competitive pinball player standpoint, I get Keith Johnson staying firm on his feeling that we don't want to shoot that. We don't like to shoot that. We don't like it. So why are we having it come out every damn game just for the sake of it coming out every game? I think there was some perspective differences that were really sure, strong sure, but between. Ju- just Keith don't make and it worth
3: management. a lot of points. And there, the competitive people will avoid. Still it. dangerous. You don't have to shoot it. Yeah, but it blocks your ring shot. Yeah, yeah, it blocks one shot. I guess you'll just have to stick with to the start other seven. To modes.
2: You just have to yeah. stick
3: with the other seven.
2: Going on, Wham. talking about the Lord of the Rings, Chris Graner, he said was, uh, and he did the sound, he's one of the most mm. epic sound creators yep. for in pinball. Chris Greiner was actually a Tolkien fan, and uh, Johnson said that he was a big help with the sound package on that. Now, this is something I did not know that I found very interesting. He indicated, Keith Johnson indicated Lord of the Rings was the first hybrid, he's calling it a hybrid, White Star board that actually allowed for more dynamic sound. They used the chip that later was eventually used on SAM boards for the sound. Um, So Lyman Sheets came aboard a bit, like about a year before uh, all of this Lord of the Rings, kind of during Simpsons time, and his job was to develop the entirety of the SAM system. While they were waiting on that, they used that same chip and made a hybrid version of the White Star board for the sound on Lord of the Rings. And he said that's why you hear such a difference between the quality and the dynamic sound of a Lord of the Rings White Star versus another White Star system. Did you know that?
3: No, I I was not, but I was not aware. But I've never owned Lord of the Rings, so I I might have noticed in the schematics that I'd had one.
2: Damn it, Dennis, I'm ready for you to do a Stern dive. I'm ready for you to do an article on Stern pinball. The history. I,
3: I, I tend to prefer that. things that are actually a little older to talk about. Than,
2: I know you do, but I like the new stuff, and I like your writing. I, <laughs> I, don't, I want a history, but I want it to be the history I've lived. You know, a lot of
3: years history. of my time in pinball.
2: Four, Dick. <laughs> <laughs> I'm probably having my five-year anniversary here soon. And look at me now. So they did have to bring up, why isn't this game being remade? A rumor is, and I love learning new stuff so that I don't have to repeat it when I'm wrong, Everybody has talked about White Star, you know, you can't port over the White Star. Yeah, I brought it up last episode. Yeah, I've talked about it as well, because I've heard those rumblings as well. They asked him about it. How hard would it be to get Lord of the Rings remade? Is it because of the White Star boards? Keith Johnson said, porting over the Lord of the Rings code from a White Star to a modern operating system, he said, quote, wouldn't be that hard, end quote. He said someone uh, who could actually understand how to read the code could probably do it in a month or so. A month or so—that's nothing. So that no longer is that a thing now, or are we just saying this is just per Keith Johnson?
3: On anything else, if they vault a Sam, they won't. Mm-hmm. They don't have to invest that month. Of a, I mean, what's one, What's the biggest criticism? Well, who who knows anymore? I guess any given month. But what's the biggest criticism that Stern often faces, and that's your code isn't as far along as we want it to be. So, do you really mm-hmm. want to move a programmer off of modern games to just move the code over from White Star to Sam or yes. Spike?
2: Yes. Yes. Well, I mean, yes. I would
3: be interested because I'd like to see this game vaulted, but. But that being said, when it comes to vaulting any other SAM system, they don't have to do any of that. They just they just print up more SAM circuit boards and use those.
2: Okay. I, I, if it's true a month or so, I think maybe, maybe this leads us, so this is all speculation, but maybe this leads to the idea that either A, what I have also said, and I believe this to be probably the Paramount issue now, licensing this theme is going to be damn difficult now. Or B, and or B, that they want to do it special and just pulling those dots over in the audio over for 2020 to 2025, whenever they'd redo it, they want to make it different and special. Implementing video, implementing sound. Keith Johnson did talk about that. He said, now that, implementing video and sound for a modern operating system, that could be, quote, unlimited, end quote, time that that takes. He laughed. He was like, "Yeah, that that would be an eternity of work. That's a lot of work there. Think now about is, the Hobbit."
3: Was that just was he talking LCDs during that or was he talking like yes. if you had to do video and audio package that it would be more complicated if it, moving that from White Star to Sam?
2: No, I believe he was talking okay. about creating hmm. cuz you'd have to create everything from I don't new. think there's
3: a licensing obstacle for Lord of the Rings, especially I do. especially if they were to just keep the dots. I think they could get it because if it would be easier if they could just it's a has-been license. It's weaker now than, than it was when the movies came
2: out. So yeah, but it's still, it's flirting now with that classic cinema category.
3: Yeah. yeah, I mean, I I don't, I really don't. I think for them, especially if you were just to redo it and everything was already prior approved. I think it's, I think it's simple.
2: I I still think it's, it's the modern day star Wars. I, I just do. I think that that is where it's not like
3: another pinball company is going to come and get the Lord of the Rings license. So if they want to make easy money, why not? Hold up, Why not? Why not? Because it's a has been license and they don't want to take the gamble. Look at what happened with Hobbit.
2: I think the, the reason nobody would want to. You know what? The reason that nobody would want to take on a Lord of the Rings license for a pinball machine, I think rests because of Keith Johnson because of how prolific that code is. Nobody wants to try to follow that.
3: Sure. I, I think that's a fair comparison. It's it's the fear that Stern had when they redid Simpsons. It's mm. how yeah. do you match the original.
2: So people had to ask in chat uh, during the Brody Even talk pinball, why was Pirates pulled from the line? When are we going to see Pirates again? And Dennis, this is, uh, this is a redemption here. You and I are very smart fellas. Why Pirates was pulled from the line? Keith Johnson finally came out to say why it was pulled offline. He said, quote, at the time there was no demand for pirates, end quote. It's what we've been saying, Dennis.
3: Yeah. It's uh, it's the only reason that ever made sense.
2: Mm-hmm. And he also said that, quote, it was absolutely the right decision to make, end quote, yes, at it that was. time. He, 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 he would love for people to enjoy it more and for it to sell more, but he said at that time for the viability of that business and that company, it, absolutely, he might not have liked it, but it was absolutely the right decision to make. These pinball manufacturers are not designed to uh to
3: endure slow burn on no, game on no. games
2: uh, popularity. Yeah, very true. And I'm going to give Nick and Kevin some credit here because Greg Bone and I have been very public in saying, "Yeah, told you so." Like, okay, we did do that. We are from the very beginning. We were big. Pirates of the Caribbean game fans. Theme, not so much. But we were there from the very beginning saying, guys, I'm telling you, don't believe the trolls that haven't played this game. This game is special. But I want to give Nick and Nick and Kevin some credit too because they were saying that in the podcast. They were the, they were on the, in the same boat. They were doing that as well, saying, no, you guys, but it's hard. At that time, it's like me listening to me and I sell games, so it's hard to listen to me. They are sponsored by Jersey Jacks. They're like, oh, of course you love it. I knew, because they were my buddies, I knew that they really did think this game was special and they loved it. Hell, they bought the damn thing. And it's not like they're getting any discounts or we're getting any discounts or anything. It was special. Um, But no, Keith Johnson said, look, quote, if people want one, he's referring to Pirates of the Caribbean, ask your distributors. He went on to say that he thinks if there was enough interest from distributors submitting to Jersey Jack Pinball, it could absolutely get another run. So it doesn't sound like licensing is an issue here. It's it's what I've said before, you're going to have to buy a certain amount of parts for the in bulk for this to make sense. So if you're buying 500 of each part, does it make sense? Can you sell another 500? At 500 at 500? I think the answer is no. I, I don't have a good sense in
3: terms of the count. I thought when I thought Jack in an interview, Jack Jaquearyry, had said right after it went off the line that they had renewed the license for several years. and would I see I able think I remember it. that too. And so, yeah, I've never assumed it's a license issue. I've always thought it's either they don't have enough confidence in the demand being there to warrant getting enough parts to do a run Mm -hmm. or uh, that. The other concern, which I've been less willing to accept, but I I get the logic of it, was somehow – all of them, with all their experience, miscalculated the BOM, and they'd have to raise the price a lot to do
2: it. Good I, speculation, too.
3: I mean, I could have seen it if they had ended up adding in a whole bunch of really complex features. But versus the prototype, they stripped things down. So that's why mm-hmm. I don't think that's the case. But.
2: Keith Johnson said that Pirates of the Caribbean version 1.0 is not going to be released until the final Wizard mode is complete. He also talked about Joe Katz hating toppers. Hashtag, you're dead to me, Joe. And he hates shaker motors. Keith Johnson mm. does. Call them Hackneyed. Mmm. Hashtag you're just wrong. Welcome back to another rendition of Pinball Market Trends. Sponsored by the Pinball Network and presented by the Pinball Show. Trending up this week in Pinball is Stern, Pinball's Jurassic Park, every damn model. Elvira, House of Horrors every damn model. And Deadpool, every damn model listeners people are itching to get their hands on a new or pre-owned pinball machine and with all of this pandemic crap going on stock has been depleted by everyone around the country likely around the world in particular three models by stern pinball Jurassic Park. People want the premium. Hell, they want the LE. Just can't find it. They want the premium. Everybody's out. They'll settle with the pro. Shit, those are out as well. Elvira with all of the new code drops and people realizing how great of a game this is. They're looking for the signature edition at this point. They just want that game. And Deadpool tried and true for the past year. This machine is becoming harder and harder to find even on the secondary market. I've seen some people now take a new title like Jurassic Park and mark it up on the secondary market. A new in-box they're jacking up the price past MSRP. That is evidence alone of a market trend. Now look for this trend to settle down a little bit over the next six months as Stern fires up the engine of the factory to start these production models again. But until then, you're gonna see them stay high, you're gonna see them stay elevated, and you're gonna have to pony up a little extra money, a little more dinero, if you were wanting one of these for your game room. Ah, <sighs> Numbers don't lie. Facts are facts. Holding steady this week, for the most part, is the entire secondary market. From a bird's eye view, looking at the landscape, As a whole, things are pretty stable. You're not seeing these sell, sell, sell prices, these clearance prices, slash them, get them out of here, roll them, drag them, flip them. You're not seeing any of that stuff. If I were to speculate as to why, again, I think it's because the manufacturers are shut down. No new pinball machines are leaving. And of all of those being out of stock, people are now... Going to the secondary market. They're looking for a new pinball machine, but they'll settle for a secondary market one a pre-owned one Once they realize that those are pretty much gone as well of the hot titles, then they think oh, okay I'll get my whitewater. Ah, fine. I'll I'll finally get my fun house I just want a new pinball machine to play so they're staying pretty stable uh, Around the board. Unfortunately this week trending down is a mod. now I went and bought some mods as of late and I noticed a trend, and I don't like this one. Flipper toppers. Let's talk a little bit about flipper toppers. Any of you listeners out there are a fan of flipper toppers. What I mean is by the little accessory that you can add on top of the flipper to change the aesthetic or the look of, uh, of that flipper. And the reason these are trending down is because they no longer, I'm not seeing anybody really produce the style of flipper topper that I liked. Flipper toppers can be very hit or miss. And for those of you pinball mod geeks out there like myself that like adding everything to your game, they're hit or miss. Some of these flipper toppers nowadays are hideous. Uh, training down in particular are just the decals. Mod developers, designers, no, no, we don't want just decals on our flipper toppers. It looks cheap. We don't, I don't want that. I want some type of laser etched pinball topper. What the hell ever happened to Laserific making those flipper toppers that were laser etched that you could see through them and see the top of the flipper as well? They were just enough accent to not be overpowering and and to not be tacky. They, for the most part, were really nicely done. All I'm seeing now is decals from these uh, mod creators, or Laserific, what they've done, it looks like, is they're still doing the laser etching, but it's still one piece, and it has a background, and you're still sticking it on top. No, no, we like that deep cut. I hope you all know what I'm talking about. I've got those uh, deep cut Laserific ones on like the Shadow. I've seen the Getaway ones that are good. They used to produce them, but here recently, I'm not seeing anything like that for Jurassic Park. I'm not seeing anything like that for Elvira or Stranger Things. These are the games that I want to put them on. But I can't. So training down is the way that the mod community is doing flipper toppers. Go! Ooh, did somebody say topper? Topper talk! Training down this week, also a secondary toppers mod community. Where are you at? I'm ready to throw my money at you. Take my money now! Oh, take my money and run. That's right, I'm ready to throw money at you. But you're not going to get it. you got to work a little bit harder. The secondary topper group, I'm not that impressed recently. Maybe Stern is blowing these guys away, and they've given up. They've picked up their RGB acrylic ball, and they're taking it home. They no longer want to compete? I don't know. I'm issuing a challenge out to you topper makers. Let's up our game a little bit. Have you not seen We Will Pay the Prices? For an elaborate, beautiful, well-crafted, and integrated pinball topper. But I think we're about done with this lack of IP, single plexi, light it with a cheap overseas LED strip that usually breaks. And look, if it looks good, I can compromise some of that quality, right? But I, I don't want to look at a bad topper. Come on, people, we can be craftier than this. Topper lovers out there, raise your voices and be heard. We want nice aftermarket toppers, damn it, and we will not quit until we get them. We probably will quit. We'll just continue buying the stern ones. Maybe I should get in the topper game. Calling Mrs. Penn, calling Mrs. Penn, I need some toppers. And no market trend segment would be complete without a little sub segment we call Deals of the Week. Bye bye bye. Bye bye bye. Indeed, this week I'm offering up some more Deals of the Week courtesy of Flipping Out Pinball. Now, if these weren't deals of the week, I wouldn't push them on you guys, right? It's bullshit. This whole show is just just so you can make a dollar from us. It's Oh, stop. Look, if it's a deal, you buy it. But I'm going to make it worth your while this week because you guys heard. I just got in the Big Lebowski because I am a complete idiot. I'm dumb. Don't know why I bought it. Well, I I do. Now, I'm stuck in the predicament of needing to get rid of some games so that I can justify and sleep at night for buying that expensive, ass, overpriced pinball machine. It is fun. It is beautiful, but jeez. So this week, I'm going to list a couple of my personal, some of my favorite pinball machines, but they got to go. One of them is Jersey Jack Pinball's Willy Wonka. Now, this thing, I've got the LE model. got damn near every mod on it. I've got the topper with it. Uh, look at the pictures on probably Pinside or Facebook. They're gorgeous. They're beautiful. These things, for the most part, Wonka's list eh, on the secondary market LE's low nines, right? Stock. Maybe, maybe 9,000 without anything added on it. I'm going to list mine for $9,200. Again, great shape. It's got all of the mods on it. It's got the topper on it. It's fantastic. I haven't put that many damn games on it, but here's what we're going to do. For listeners of The Pinball Show and lovers of pinball market trends, all you've got to do is reach out to me if you're interested in this pinball machine and you get special pricing. That's all you got to do. Instead of $9,200, did you hear that? I just cut four binges off of it. Just like that. $8,800. Bye bye bye. Take it. $8,800. That's saving a crap load of money. The other one that's got to go, go, go! The spooky pinball is Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle again. A pin that I've been loving. Willy Wonka is one of my favorite games of all time. Period. Dot. I just I've played the hell out of it. Alice Cooper. I love this game. It is gorgeous. It is beautiful. It is challenging, which keeps me coming back for more. But I'm gonna I'm broke now, so I gotta sell Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle again. I'm a weirdo. I mod everything. From the factory, it's got the side art. It's got the plastic protectors. It's got the... It's got... It's got the whole shebang. Speaker lights, interactive, all of that stuff. Plus, you guys seen the straight on the middle video where I installed all of the medicinal mods, top of the line mods for Alice Cooper. Hell, that's like four or five hundred bucks right there. Those mods are in it. You get mods. You get mods. Everybody gets a fucking mod. Everybody gets mods in this deal. I'm gonna list this thing for $6,400. I think that's fair. But between us, you mention your love, Hell, get a tattoo, and you get a thousand off. <laughs> but to $6,000, five, five, five! Mention the pinball show and your love for pinball market trends, and you can have a slashing him again. As an arrow. Fireworks. I don't know what the hell I'm doing at this point. But that was your Deals of the Week.
0: Bye, bye, bye.
2: And before we end this segment, I'm always pitching new ideas to Dennis Creasel. Always pitching them to Ken Cromwell. Pitching them to my buddy, Greg Bone out there. But this time, I want to pitch something to you. I'm pitching an upcoming segment that we're going to call Listener Trends. And Listener Trends, you're going to submit to me at the pinball at gmail.com. Your trends for the week. Now these don't have to be pinball trends, maybe they are, maybe they're not. Trending up, trending down, holding steady, trending, what the f <laughs> trending huh? You get to pick it, and if it's good, we will air it. Now definition of good in this situation is either, hmm, interesting. Informational. I like it. Polynomial. Hmm. Or it's entertaining. It's something you've noticed trending up or down in your life. Doesn't even have to be pinball. Trending up this week is catch up. Trending down always is mustard. All time low. Yeah. Show us what you got and submit your listener trend today. And that, ladies and gentlemen, was Ye Pinball Trends. Barter, barter, barter. What did they do in medieval times? I don't even know. Dennis, where can people find you between now and the next time? They can always reach
3: out at Collective Gamers Podcast at gmail.com.
2: Can they send love letters or ransom no. notes I do not do love letter segments. Selfies? I don't look can at they, selfies. Can they text you? No. <laughs> text you pictures of themselves? No. No. <laughs> <Ugh>. <laughs> Alright, you can catch me at uh, you can catch me at the pinball network at gmail.com. or oh update straight down the middle of Pinball Show episode one oh eight. Go check it out where we re review the reviews part due. Uh, we take Dennis's wonderfully crafted Excel spreadsheet with formulas so that we can take weighted grading and use that for our review. So we took all the old ones that we've reviewed with equal categorization. Is that the right way to define it, Dennis? Yeah. That's Um, how I describe it. And that was a a faulty system. So we weighted them based on what Greg and I's, uh, you know, uh, layout is worth more than art or music's not worth as much as a theme or, you know, and uh, we went back through recalculated them all and now, categorically, we can kind of compare them all because um, they're all using the same system. So go check that out, as well as we have a presence. SDTM has a website presence now. Um, I think it's flipping out pinball slash SDTM. But there you can see visually our chart of reviews. It has a feed for all the YouTube videos. And very, very soon, this is kind of a placeholder until we have an interactive Pinball machine reviewing system that you, listener, you, viewer, can submit your own reviews, categorize them, sort them. Do you want to see your reviews and scores weights based on ours? Do you want to compare it to Greg and I's final scores? Do you want to see where uh, enjoyability ranks if we were to sort them all by enjoyability? Do you want to see the entire SDTM community all together? Now, what's the top 10 list? It's going to be a lot of fun, but it's going to take a little time to get there. So, in the meantime, all you've got to do to submit your own straight-down-the-middle review is simply email us at sdtmpinball@gmail.com. gmail.com. So much fun. I can't express how much fun this is to do. Write it on a piece of paper, take a picture, send it to us, or type it up in an email. Just give us, based on our categories, weight those things out. Add that percentage up to 100. Make sure it's 100%. Weight them out. And then pick a game. Funhouse. Boom. Tell your grades during uh, each category or getaway or things that we have reviewed, Indiana Jones, Deadpool. Submit those to us. It'll be a lot of fun. If you're ready to buy a brand-new pinball machine or an Escalera stair-climbing hand truck, a lot of those are going out right now, Dennis. I don't know why, but Escaleras are selling really well right now. Contact us at Flippin' Out Pinball at FlippinOutPinball.com or Zach, C-A-C-H, at Flip, the letter N-OutPinball.com or call me at 812 457 9711 I think I'm streaming tonight, a little Elvira, new code. Mm-hmm. You going to join in? Uh, probably not. Yeah. you're like Ken Cromwell. Yep. And Greg but Bo- All my friends, none of my friends support me. Whatever. You know who I support, though? Everybody. I support mm-hmm. Good Ideas. I support you, Dennis. I even support uh, the upcoming Final Round Pinball podcast, which I hear was a hoot. Fun. It's going to be playing this week, as well as the Off the Record Pinball Podcast. I think we got an entry. Go check out Silver Ball Stories, Episode 3, Pinball Tales from the Crypt. So well done. Love that stuff. Ooh, also a very, very special congratulations to Dave Brennan. Dave Brennan is a streamer over at TurboGrafx7, part of the TPN family of streamers. Congratulations, buddy. He just accepted a position as technical services manager over at American Pinball. You heard Cause talk about that at the beginning of the show, but uh, we couldn't be happier and more proud of you, Dave, and and American Pinball, A+ plus higher here. That was a really, really smart choice as this guy is one of the best damn touch-up restoration pinball repair people that I've ever met and a damn nice taste in collecting and playing pinball machines congrats again dave i think tpn is like the the farming group that farms out individuals it was a slam tilt right uh but now it's now it's tpn so manufacturers we, we got all the good ones here maybe we can uh maybe maybe i can help broker a deal and until next week for dennis creasel i'm zach many always remember to shake it before you bake it Oh, practice safe pinball this Raymond's making me thirsty. Up so long, everybody.
1: This is a story about Billy joe and bobby Sue.
3: The air is really I'm at the like end of the HVAC system, so. Like, okay, we're gonna kick it down a degree just so I can force the air on so I can get it.
2: You know when you you're a fishing That's ass, real. you're probably at like 75.
3: I was at 75.
1: <laughs>
3: now I'm at 74 because of your bullshit.
1: <laughs>
2: I know you so freaking well. Damn it, <laughs> that pisses me off. money